The Pinball Network is online. Launching Pinball Innovators and Makers Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Pinball Podcast focused on the innovators and makers who are crafting homebrew, custom, and retheme pinball machines, the technology that makes these personal projects possible, and the companies helping with these journeys. Custom pinballs are a deeply personal and technically challenging undertaking, requiring time, money, knowledge, and most importantly, the desire to make it happen. I'm Dan Rosenstein, your host. Join me and let's go under the play field and see what's needed to make a custom pinball possible. Hello, pinball innovators and makers. It's episode 12, and this time we are recording in person with Sean Irby in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Sean, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell me about your first experience with pinball? Okay, my first experience with pinball uh, is back in 2016, so not too long ago. Um, I was uh, not working at the time. It was the summer, and me and a friend just didn't have much to do, and we stumbled upon a, uh, a barcade that was near our apartment. It's called John John's Game Room, and over the course of that summer, we just got um, more and more into playing this Stern Spider-Man that they had, and uh, we were like trading high scores back and forth, and I was really just super obsessed with how much technique and skill there was involved in a game with just two buttons, and so... That's what kept me playing, and eventually uh, we joined the, the Seattle Monday Night Pinball League. And after seeing the, the whole competitive scene in the area and experiencing that, I just got hooked on the hobby. Uh, what drew you into that to that initial Spider, the Stern Spider Man at John John's? Well, there was there was a multi ball that you could get into. Uh, I think it was like the, the Doc Ock multi ball, and. While you were in that multi-ball, you can make progress on the other multi-ball in the game, uh, the black suit, I think it was called. That I I just thought it was so cool that I could be in this multi-ball and like progress the other multi-ball at the same time. And if if I played well enough, I could always be in multi-ball whenever I was playing the game. I just thought that was really cool. Did you play pinball at all when you were a little kid, or never exposed to it? Never exposed to it. I I played some, uh, you know video game pinball on, on my Sega Game Gear, but but that's about it. Um, I grew up in South Mississippi, and I don't know why, but I just have no memory of a pinball machine. I spent a lot of time in arcades as a kid, too. That's that that's absolutely fascinating. So um, you, you stumble on this uh, into John John's with your friend. You're playing Stern Spider-Man, and you know, you're competitive with your friend, and you join the Monday Night Pinball League. Um, how did, like, where did that progress to competitive play for you? Um, well, it, 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 I was already there basically, um, being in Seattle and, and seeing all of these different venues that, uh, that had pinball machines. I very quickly learned about the weekly tournaments that happened, uh, pretty much every, every night of the week. And so if I was bored, I could, I could go to a bar somewhere and, 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 and play a tournament. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so originally it was those two buttons that, that allowed you to control um, what other techniques did you learn as you're becoming a better competitive player? Uh, well, I watched a lot of the uh, uh, pop-up pinball tutorials, and that's where I learned a lot of those flipper skills. So it was the um, things like uh, drop catching and, and dead passing were some of the first things that I picked up. And uh, yeah, after after 
being exposed to more games and watching more of those tutorials, I, I think I quickly learned about all the all the things that you could do on a pinball machine. Are, are you a nudger? Do you do you nudge a little, a lot, or <laughs> a lot? A yeah, lot. Okay. often too hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I I I grew up um, with an F14 Tomcat, and my dad told me it was at our at our house. He bought it for us. And he said, you're not allowed to nudge. That's like against the rules. Like you're cheating if you do that. So I grew up not nudging. And so my play will never like progress to the level where, you know, I've been playing for 30 some years and, and I, you know, you've been doing this for a couple of years and you're, you know, I'm looking around, you've got a few pinball machines here. You've also got a number of trophies. Why don't you tell the listener a little bit about how the uh, competitive play progressed and how you started getting trophies? Well, it was for, for the first uh, couple years, it was just sticking to those weekly tournaments. And uh, and then the, the Northwest show would, would come around once a year, and that would be the big tournament that I would play in. And it wasn't until uh, 2019 when when uh, I quit quit my job and had plenty of time to, to travel. And that's when I started... Uh, Going to Indus, going to Pinburg, and going to these these much larger events, um, and and yeah, uh, I've, I've started to, to win some of them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, these two pinball machines uh, that are next to us, uh, the Surf Champ and the Galaxy, I won at the uh, Adaball um, 420 tournament that they hold once a year on 420, and the winner gets a pinball machine. That the, what 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 an amazing start and and and. And progression, and so, um, you know, tell tell the listener and me about some of the games that really interested you. You know, or, or do, do you like stop and shoot? Do you like flow games? Do you like target games? Like what 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 lines of games really re- really impressed you and really you really enjoyed playing? Hmm. Well, in the beginning, I think I really enjoyed solid state games uh, because. It was it was just really easy for me to focus on one thing to do, and um, that that helped early on when I didn't um, I don't know 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 much about rule sets and those those earlier games. I, I it was easier for me to just focus on on the ball moving around and and like and just having that one objective in my head. That's um, so that's what I gravitated towards earlier on. Um, but but since then I, I've I've been drawn to all, all sorts of games. I, I think I tend to like you know games that have good uh, you know risk reward mechanics. I, I like uh, you know being able to on on like uh, Stern Godzilla for instance, like being able to stay in one city and, and build up that huge uh, what is it what is it the the carnage bonus mm-hmm. and yeah I, I I just think that's that's uh, incredible. So I like. I like games that, um, yeah, let you let you have have good risk reward opportunities. Got it. Um, so you know we're we're going to be talking about Eight Ball Beyond, which is the 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 custom machine that 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 you you've you've been building and that you you built. Um, obviously that means that you like the the Eight Ball Deluxe, Eight Ball Classic, Eight Ball um o- o- Original. What is it about those machines that you're you in? So. They they were super simple, and well, those were great examples of those games that I gravitated to earlier on. Because yeah, you just have to hit balls one through seven, and then collect the eight ball. That's a really simple objective to focus on. Now that I'm further into um, you know, into the hobby and more experienced with games, I I now appreciate like how I still enjoy those games and how other uh, like 
competitive players do too, because I mean, it's 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 a game that um, is a great equalizer. Like beginners can easily beat beat an expert at it. All right. So, um, when did you officially get the get the or the the first spark of hey, I think I can go build a pinball machine? So I had heard about. Um, uh, homebrew pinball from just from randomly listening to a podcast with Keith Elwin, and I learned that the Iron Maiden machine that he was talking about about on that podcast was something that he originally had had started on his own as a homebrew, and so that piqued my interest to it originally. And um, and a couple years later, in in 2019, after I quit my job, I uh, found this video, uh, this presentation by Jan Kantert at the at this um, like German tech conference, but during this presentation, he was outlining how he built uh, his pinball machine, um, and and seeing like he he it was the first time that I saw like the complete system overview, and when I saw that it was a PC that connected to boards you could buy off the shelf, and those boards were hooked up to just switches and lights and coils, I realized that. Oh, I I can do this. I know how to uh, to program, and I know some about electronics. Um, it wasn't lost on me that it would be a ton of work, but that was when I realized that I I could do it too. So so so, so that's awesome. You came in with some programming background. I'm looking around. I see a couple of JavaScript books, a couple of Java books. So you've got you got some some programming background, and then um you said you had a little electrical electrical knowledge as well. Where did where did that come from? Uh, my undergraduate. Degrees in electrical engineering. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> that 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 completely makes sense. So so you see that this thing's a PC. It's got some boards. It's going to take some wiring. You're not, you know, you you're, you don't have your head in the clouds. You know, it's going to be a tough project, but you're like, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. So how then do you go about choosing the 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 theme? Did you start from mechanisms and shot design and then worked up to the theme, or did you backtrack from theme into and then from there shot layouts and and, and, and you know game progression, etc. So I I started with just the geometry of the of the play field, and I later learned that for my process, that's that was a big mistake. Um, I think I, I I can talk about that later, but um, yeah, I, I I just started with with coming up with um, a, a cool layout with three upper flippers, uh, so five flippers total, all on <laughs> all on the same level, and. I was like, oh, you've got these two upper loops that you can repeat, and it's it's going to be awesome. It's going to shoot great. And I um, coded, well, not coded, but I laid it out in Visual Pinball, and it, I liked how it shot there. And then I built it, and and realized that uh, you know those some of those shots that worked in Visual Pinball actually didn't work in real life. And yeah, that's. That's like how, how it all started. So why um, why do you think that is that shots in visual pinball don't work in in real life? So I I, th- I think um, it it does a great job of um, showing you like the how a ball tends to rebound around the play field. What what I think um, was a bit of a distortion, at least for me, was um, how how ball guides sort of move the ball along uh, its path, like. I, I found that it tended to actually send the ball around and be pretty friendly, um, and whereas in real life it would actually tend to rattle out. So 
I, I don't know what, what's behind that or if it was a setting that I could have changed, but that, that um, tripped me up in the beginning. Now, when, when you started in Visual Pinball, you weren't doing CAD at that point. Is that correct? Or had you already started using Fusion 360? I was doing that in tandem. Okay. Because I, I also, um, when I started making the layout, I was also devoting some of my time to building out the apartment that I had just moved into. So I needed a workbench. I needed a test rig to be able to um, um, you know, work on the play field and also play the game. So, yeah, that's that's that was my first Fusion 360 project was the workbench and the that test rig. Got it. So, um, you're you're building out your apartment, you're building the the test rig, you're learning Fusion 360, and at the same time, you you put the machine into a a a, a, a visual pinball, and you uh are are started to lay out the the initial play field and try it in. In, 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 in real life. Where did you go from there? So going from there, I I was just trying to uh, improve the shots and, and and just to continually tweak it until I I felt like it played well. And it, it sort of just evolved into a, a single, into a, like a game with ramps. And I originally had it as a completely single level layout. And um, I was... I was just pretty haphazard about that that first um, that first layout. Um, I, th I think I think I was actually just playing around the whole time. Um, that for, that first layout, um, did you already have the theme for eight, something eight ball related, or not yet at this point? No, no. After after I had worked on that layout for for some time, um, I, I realized that um, I'm not really like going anywhere with this and at, for after learning these lessons about how tricky a layout with multiple upper flippers can be and how starting with a theme can help guide your your decision making and lead to a more cohesive result um, that's when I made the decision to just start over and I started thinking about uh, you know well what would be a good theme to do um, for for my next effort? So that's how I got to um, uh, eight ball. Was picking a theme as a homebrew is it, for a homebrew is uh, well for me was a lot of a lot of things to consider because I wanted a game that was appealing to me but would also be appealing to other like pinball enthusiasts. I wanted to do something that was simple and straightforward, <clears throat> and I also wanted to to pick a theme that would lend itself to like a, a single level layout, um, something that, you know, would be simpler to construct. You know, if, if you, if you pick something like Dune, something grand like that, it really wouldn't make sense to me as like a single level. Play right, 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 right. So um, after thinking about all of those qualities that I was trying to maximize, like I got, I got to thinking about eight ball, like that's, those are games that I love. Those are, that's it's it's a perennial favorite at league night around here. So what can I do with that? And so I had um, a, a, an initial idea of um, trying to include a shot from each of the three eight ball games. So eight ball deluxe, eight ball, and eight ball champ. Trying to include a, a shot from each of those games in one play field layout. Why don't you explain what those three shots are for the listener? So we'll start from the beginning. There's 8-Ball, the original. So 8-Ball has 
all the way on the right, something called the bank shot, I believe. It's a, it's a, it's like a candy cane looking shot that, that sends the ball back to the top bumpers. And um, I have that in my game, but it's, it's uh, candy caning in the opposite direction. So instead of feeding the ball back into the pop bumpers, it feeds the ball to an upper flipper. And so, yeah, that upper flipper is from a ball deluxe, kind of positioned in the same spot and pointed at a series of seven ball targets. Um, it's, so that's where a ball deluxe comes in. That's the geometry from that game, except it's mirrored. And from eight ball champ, uh, that game has a really cool shot that's also in the game called Fathom that, that wraps around the pop bumpers and goes up to a uh, scoop that's all the way at the top of the play field. So um, you sent me a good package of photos and, and information to read over as, as I was ramping up about the machine. I actually played the machine as well at, uh, at the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show. And one of the pictures you sent me, I saw you at a wall. And it, the playfield looked like you were drawing it on the wall. Is that true? Yeah, I wasn't drawing it on the wall. I uh, I had uh, uh, construction paper cutouts of all these different playfield elements and like sized right. I thought that would be a good way to like brainstorm different ideas. Um, yeah. And, and and was that your first playfield, or that's already that was, had, the, first that was the first playfield. one? Okay. So I'm I'm now taking this back in time. Sorry, so, sorry about that. So um, you've got these three shots. You, you've you've started to settle in on, or you have settled in on on an, a, 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 a series of, of eight ball games. Were there other themes that you had considered as well? Well, so for that first uh, that first layout before I got to doing eight ball beyond, I, like midway through, I thought that I could I could turn that into a, a Devo theme. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Your your pop bumpers have yeah, yeah, yeah. little red Devo hats. I I looked at it. and I'm like, wait a second. This isn't isn't in the game now. But I wonder if it, that's absolutely. I saw that. I I totally get that. Yeah, but I, I so I, I still think that would be a great theme to do. But trying to bolt it on to a layout that I had already came up with, that I just I just didn't think I could I could make it work. So when did the when did the CAD work start for the what is now the current Eight Ball Beyond? Um, let's see. So the CAD work started as soon as I settled onto a, a layout in Visual Pinball that that I liked. So you went to Visual Pinball first. You uh, it, it, as you started the the Eight Ball Beyond, you did that layout. You then put it into CAD. Yes. Okay. And you had been learning Fusion three hundred and sixty, but you didn't know CAD previously, correct? Uh, I had been exposed to CAD like like when I was in college and. Um, when I when I worked for the uh, Army Army Corps of Engineers, I, I did a lot of CAD there too. Uh, but okay, no three no D stuff. Okay, so so CAD was was something that that was familiar, but not three D. Right. Okay, got it. So um, talk talk to me and the listener about the process of building the machine in Visual uh, Pinball, then moving to CAD, and then actually moving to Whiteboard. Sure. So um, once you have uh, your layout in in Visual Pinball, you can export. They call it a blueprint. So you can export that blueprint. It's, it's just an image file, and then you, um, in 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 your CAD program, you you create your play field, and in Fusion 360, you can overlay an image onto a surface. And so I put the um, you know the the visual pinball layout on top of there, um, and have it 
Um, and, th and then I start bringing over in the actual parts that I've modeled and, and placing that uh, onto the play field. And, and once you have your, your CAD model set there, then I create a drawing and uh, overlay some, some grid paper, or not, well, grid lines on top of that layout. Uh, I took it to the, the FedEx print shop and uh, printed it out full scale and um, used the 3M spray adhesive to, to put that on top of my play field, my actual play field. And um, that, that shows me where I need to drill out holes. I just used a tool called a roto zip in the beginning to, to make those cutouts, um, those large cutouts, and use a regular drill for just um, standard holes. And um, yeah, mounted the parts and started, started testing it with foam core. Where did you get your parts from? Uh, mostly from Pinball Life. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't harvest off other machines, you, you ordered basically new. Yes, I, I didn't have a machine of my own at the time, and um, it was pretty hard to find a project thing, too. Yep. So um, you're, you're now drilling holes. You've got the, 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 um, the, the printouts uh, stuck to the, to the play field. So at, at what, you know, you, you, you then um, mount all the, all the parts. When was, uh, when was the first time you actually flipped on that play field? One or two months after after I, you know, came up with the idea, um, I can't I can't put an exact time to it, but no, that 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 that's totally fine. Tell tell the listener and me about the feeling when you when you felt that felt that 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 the the flipper flip for the first time, felt the ball move on the table. It's super exciting. It's it's the best. It's like that's uh that's like the first milestone to me. You you um. You're excited to see how the shots that you came up with, how if they actually work in real life, or it's it's just it's just a it's a great experience. And, and what did you learn? What did you find out when you when you those did those first flips? Uh, I learned that my upper flipper was not not positioned like exactly where I wanted it. Um, I learned that the 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 shot that I had on on the left, that fathom shot that I was talking about. Um, that was perfect. Like that, that worked out great. That was a good feeling. And I also learned that um, the, I didn't talk about this earlier, but the other thing I borrowed from eight ball was this stand-up target that's positioned to up and above to the right of the pop-uppers. I found that that was on the sweet spot of the flipper and you, you could have like your eyes closed and, and hit, hit that shot basically. <laughs> And so when I saw how well that connected, um, I, I realized that I have to do something really special there. Like it has to it has to be like some big impact kind of kind of shot in the game. Um, so yeah, those those are the first impressions that I had. So 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 you know if 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 if, if homebrew and and custom pinball was a was a college curriculum, this would kind of be you know. Can, you know, homebrew 101 at this point. Like you've got the thing flipping, you've got the mechanisms on there. You know that your general geometry is working. But I've gone through the machine. I've played it. Um, you know, I, I I actually saw it on location at Attaball, which absolutely surprised me. I walked in there completely randomly and saw saw the machine. Um, and you know, I went through the the photos and the information you sent and. You didn't just stop at 101 level. Like you took it up to graduates, you know, to to, to five six hundred levels. So, 
let's talk about the progression of the machine from those from those first flips. So, what was the the first? In, in, and I want Eight Ball Beyond is really a collection of innovations. Like that's the best way to describe it. So, why don't we just go through those innovations one at a time? However, you want. If you want to do them chronologically or through gameplay, like you know, um, take the listener and me through those innovations. Let's see. So. So I guess the first thing that I had all the way like at the beginning when I did the uh, layout and visual pinball was I had this concept of the multi queue. Um, I I wanted players that weren't very accurate to be able to have a way to collect these uh, um, these ball targets uh, more easily. So um, there's there's a dedicated row of inserts that are all pointing at the ball targets. Um, and if you turn on your multi-queue, you turn on three of those indicators in there, and that bank of three can be moved up and down across the, the, the column of inserts with your flipper buttons. So now you don't have to be so much of a sharpshooter. You can just hit any of those three targets and, and, and collect those balls. So. Um, I've never seen that in a game before. It's I'm, there might be one out there, but uh, I think that's pretty innovative. Uh, now, now, now those those ball targets you're talking about, they started as standard drop targets, correct? So uh, they started as just regular standard standards. Targets. Sorry. So yes. it's if when I would put in stand up targets originally, I was like, man, I'm doing eight ball beyond, but I'm not including drop targets. I'm, I, I reversed like an innovation. I, I put in stand-up targets, and so that was always bugging me. Um, it just seemed kind of boring. I played fine, but I, I always thought that I needed to do something better here. I just couldn't fit in a, a drop target mech. So, um, I think like a year after I had started working on it, I, I started thinking of ways that I could include. Um, I could transform those those flat stand-up targets into like spherical ball targets. And I wanted clear ball targets that could glow, that could change to any color. I feel, felt like I could do a lot with that. Yeah, why, why make this project easy on yourself? You might as well take the challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's eight ball beyond. It needs to, it, it needs to be, you know, futuristic, right? So um, I originally started with uh, like 3D printing them. And those those look pretty bad when I printed it with clear filament because uh, you can see the layer lines. And I, I decided that I uh, I needed to try uh, uh, mul uh, creating a mold for for it using the three D printed part and then and then casting it. So actually, let me let me take a deviation here. Uh, you brought up three D printing. Yeah. When did you learn how to do three D printing? Uh, when I started. Um, at the very beginning, like sure. I, I had bought a bought a three D printer uh, pretty soon after starting, starting. So, so you were like, "That's a tool that I need to to learn for 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 this project." Okay, mm -hmm. got it. So, so then you went into resin casting. Yes. So, why don't you tell the listener about that? Uh, well, I knew SLA printing was something that was possible, and that that's a process that can give you nice clear parts uh, without layer lines. Um, but from the reading that I had done, it seemed like that that wasn't actually very durable. So I, that's what made me decide that I need to 
go into resin casting. And, and the durability here is that these, j- just to be clear, these balls are getting hit by the ball. <laughs> They're not sitting behind something else. There's no, you know, a, a, a Newton a Newton ball effect. Like these are getting hit by the active ball. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. want something that was going to hold up. Yeah, so something that was, like, uh, built for high impacts. So I, I uh, did some research and found a particular brand of uh, polyurethane resin that, that could work well. And so the next challenge was uh, figuring out how to how to make a mold, and I did that. And then I tried casting with this material and found that it was just completely full of bubbles. And so I did some more reading and learned that uh, you, if you actually want to cast nice clear parts, you have to uh, use a pressure pot. And so that was the next thing that I did. Was I, um, you know, went to uh, Harbor Freight, found this. I think is like some paint mixing uh, container and you can modify it to turn it into a pressure pot. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I did. And um, that was what finally gave me the, the, um, the, those clear, clear ball targets. So, um, you, you know, we, in just the last couple of minutes, we've talked about 3d printing, we've talked about resin casting, we've talked about pressure pots. Um, have you, and, and you know, you've been, you, you've been, you've been uh, drilling out holes on the play field, assembling stuff. Have you always been a handy person, like you know, having the knack, or did you know, did you do woodworking as a as a as a kid, or you picked all this up also later in life? I've I've always been, a, I think, a, like a technically minded person um, when it comes to woodworking, like general shop type uh, skills. I, I I think I started with with when I started the pinball machine. <laughs> So 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 to go build a pinball machine, you need to become a craftsman in in multiple different different arts and forms. That that that's awesome. So 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 you you uh, coming back to the to the to the to the balls. You were happy with the with the way they were cast. They were they seemed durable. Yes. Um. But you also wanted them to light up. So what would you do about that? I drilled a hole in the balls and <laughs> and shoved in an LED uh, <laughs> with adhesive. Um. It. It didn't didn't look so great, like if you got up close to it uh, and inspected it, but um, it it has the right effect. You know, they they glow really nice. Um, I later realized that I should should probably mount those LEDs like on the playfield and shine them up into the ball like from the bottom. I think that would probably be more professional and work better, but yeah, they're still holding up fine. So well, let, let's talk about the next innovation. Um, okay, uh, so this was something that. Uh, came came after the fact. Like I, um, I didn't have this uh, idea when I started, but I, I really like the um, the idea of like balls colliding into each other and and getting some reward for what happens. Just like that. in pool. Just like in pool. Yeah. So um, I and I and I also needed some some jackpot or some objective to go for while you're in multi ball. So um, after it, I had built out my, my second whitewood, I, I started thinking of ways that I could include um, some, some way to you know, smash one ball into another. Like I, I think Mist Multiball on Bram Stoker's Dracula is the coolest mech ever. And, but I also thought like, how cool would it be if you got rewarded extra points if you smashed that ball um, into some other target? So. I, I thought that I could include that games or include that feature somehow 
on my game by putting in a magnet in front of the saucer that's all the way, or the scoop that's all the way in the top of the play field. So that fathom shot, that eight ball champ shot we talked about. So there's a magnet in front of that um, that I installed uh, after I put together the white wood. And so you've got this magnet, you've got a drop target in front of the scoop, and then you've got the scoop. So during multi-ball, you can send the ball uh, up up to this shot and the magnet will grab it. And so once it grabs it, the drop target starts going up and down at a, a predefined rate. And you use your other ball to send the ball back up the same way. And when the ball gets close to the magnet, it triggers a switch that tells the magnet to turn off and the ball smash into each other. And if you make it so that that uh, ball you caromed goes into the scoop uh, while the drop target is down, you get like the super jackpot. So cool. Mm-hmm. How, how did you conceptualize that mechanism? Or, or, or even not, not, not the mechanism necessarily, but that sequence of states and the sequence of transforms. Like, how did you, how did you come up with that? Um, I just did. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, did, did you draw it out on paper, or you you just kind of pl- kinetically played with the ball until until you figured it out, or you coded it? Like, how, did it just come to you and it worked, or did you have to have to futz with it to 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 get it to, to operate correctly? I I started with the model. That's that's what I usually do, and I I um I was like, I'm going to put a magnet in this and and see what I can do with it, and so like the CAD model. Yeah. So in, in the CAD model, you are able to like simulate a, a magnet operating in there, or no? no? I, I just um, I, I knew I was going to put a magnet in in the game and, and play around with it. Like I was still on, I wasn't on like a final playfield at that point, so I could I still have room for some experiments. So, but yeah, um, it 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 took some uh, time to get the uh, like the the timing right. Um, and, and, and trying to figure out the right magnet power to use to, to, to grab the ball. Um, but those, those were the only challenges. Other than that, it, it worked pretty well. So now this, this becomes a really good time to talk about the control system you chose. Mm-hmm. What, what boards are you running in, in A-Ball Beyond? Uh, multimorphic. You are running Multimorphic. Okay. So it's a, it's a P-Rock system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how did you decide to go with the, with the Multimorphic system? I uh, wanted to... Um, find some boards that had you know pretty pretty extensive data sheets. So um, when I when I started started looking for for boards, um, I stumbled onto them first, and I I was able to like plan out the whole system that I needed just from looking at those data sheets that I found. And so I I was like, yeah, this is it. I think I want this. <laughs> okay, and um. Did the along with those data sheets, did they help you with wiring or color coding wiring or knowing like how to how to run wires to all the mechanisms or not, nothing like that? I think that an individual uh, Coleman Martin like put together a, a nice diagram like like a typical like wiring hookup guide for 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 a multimorphic system, and I, I leaned on that in the beginning for. Wiring. Now, um, you you know because you're you're working on a custom and you're you know constantly making ch- ch- changes to it, the necessity to pull the playfield out, put it back in, you know, pull it out, make changes, put it back in. Did you did uh you know did did you use any type type of um interconnects or like was there anything that that helped guide you on making the easies of the playfield could be removed 
on the machine? Um, no, not really. I, did, I I think I wired it all all directly. Okay, very cool. So let, let's say what other other innovations that the that the B-Rock supported you on. Um, what what uh, where did you go after the 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 multi ball um uh, 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 mechanism you were talking about or short shot? So that that stand up target that I mentioned that that felt really good that was on that sweet spot on the flipper. Um, I, th I thought about like. What what can I do with that, you know? And so, um, I I also knew that I wanted a like a moon in the game, it, like a moon that also was like positioned like a like a cue ball too. And so I, I thought about um, how to include a cue stick pointing at a cue ball flash moon and and putting that moon above that stand up target that I mentioned and turning it into some game feature. So I came up with this rule called the, the moon shatter. So whenever you roll through the left end lane and you hit that target, uh, you're, you're given an, an award and it, it builds from you know 1x value to 2x value to 3x value. And on the fourth one, when you spell moon, it's the 10x value. And so it's a huge collect. Um, and so I, I needed these, these uh, these parts to to support that feature, and so I, I put in. Uh, well, I, I went on Thingiverse. I found a moon model. Can, can you say what Thingiverse is? For right. The okay. So it's a uh, it's a it's a website that hosts uh, uh, mesh files for for three D printing, and I found a, a a moon model that that someone had had made on there, and I uh, downloaded that and. Um, edited in, in Blender, which is a, which is a different uh, modeling tool that works good for mesh files, but I, I uh, um, modified it so that it could mount onto a, uh, a servo motor shaft. And um, so I, I put in that servo motor um, behind that stand-up target, installed the shaft, and printed out a moon that could that could mount on that. And so now I've got this spinning moon on the play field, and um, that's that's a cool feature. And I also uh, 3D printed like a cue stick, a light-up cue stick that, that's positioned behind that. So now it looks like you've got this um, uh, shot being set up on the play fields. So um, I want to take a quick deviation on theme at this point, because up until now, we've been talking about it as as um, eight ball beyond, mm -hmm. um, and the beyond has been I want to go beyond what those previous themes did. You're not talking about a moon, which brings in kind of this like space and alien theme that 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 has started to come come through, and not not started to come through. That is very 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 prominent on the machine. Why don't you tell the listener and me about how eight ball beyond became? That like science fiction retro, like it's a super awesome, um, uh, 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 awesome theme. Like, did you start with that, or did you land into that? And how did the moon connect into into that? I think I started with the, um, I like I knew it was going to be like futuristic and and spacey, and I started with the the inserts on the lower third. Like most games have that that centerpiece of inserts, and so I thought about how um like that would tie into the theme and so how can i make these lower inserts be used to show your progression in the game and also tie into the theme 
So I, I imagine that those inserts would represent planets in a solar system. So you'll have the, the sun at the bottom of the play field near where you drain, and these plant, planet inserts are positioned so it, you could do the art so it looks like they're orbiting around the sun. And so main progression of the game is that you're this character that's starting at the beginning or the first planet on this this uh, solar circuit challenge. And so you're you're playing pool on the very first planet in the solar system. And as you win, you progress deeper and deeper into the solar system and eight ball gets harder and more difficult as you as you get further and further out. So that's that's uh, sort of the, the, the narrative that, that I had settled on in the beginning. Now, the names of those planets are not names that I've at least ever heard. Did you make them up? Did you find them in books? What was your inspiration for them? Um, I, I wanted the, the planets to, um, to each have a, a mood, like a different feel. And so I'm, I'm doing that mainly just through uh, different light shows. And so I wanted each planet to have a color associated with it and to come up with those names i um either just made up a name completely <laughs> that that sounded like the color like aquos that's the blue planet and or or maybe i found a um like a word for yellow in 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 greek or something what's yellow in greek what's well, like sand santos or something and that's how I, uh, you know, pick the name for for the for the yellow round. Um, so absolutely creative. It's it's completely impressive. So um the so 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 you had this 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 futuristic theme of 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 playing pool and and working through the solar system and getting better in in playing pool almost comes to how you got started in in the pinball circuit here in here in Seattle and you know moved moved up to become a, a really really good you know. Solid winning player, um, and, and uh, so 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 coming back, what what was the next innovation on the machine? Well, there's another there's another multi ball jackpot that I haven't talked about, and that's it's it's very similar to that that first jackpot with the magnet, um, but this one is is like a three stage setup um, to to do this jackpot collect, and um, and it also goes back into that. Uh, concept of you know let's slam balls together and and have something fun come from that. So um, during multi ball, um, you can you can uh, send your ball up to the to this U turn shot, the shot that I borrowed from eight ball. And when you do that, the ball comes back around and a drop target comes up right before the upper flipper, and it holds the ball there and lets it settle. And you can use your other ball to uh, smash that drop target down, and so now you've got two balls that are feeding this upper flipper, and you can use your upper flipper to make it into the the eight ball saucer and um, and get a really big jackpot because that is the uh, hardest shot in the game. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't know of another uh, combo like that in 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 a pinball machine. Now um. You went with this like beautiful starry background at the at the back of the cabinet, um, which is underneath the the the, the LCD display. Yeah. Why don't you talk about creating that? Sure. So that's uh, that came from a need of just having to have something interesting on the back panel, and uh, 
I agreed with the artist to, you know, he was going to do the play field and plastics and back glass, but um, I had to do the back panel myself. So I was just thinking, like, what can I do here um, to fill up that space well and have it tie into the theme? So I thought about making it a star field. I went on Amazon and I found these, uh, what is it, 64 by 64. Um, 64, maybe 16, 16 by 16 uh, grids of LEDs, serial LEDs, and I bought three of those and uh, uh, mounted them side by side on a, a plastic panel. And in front of that, there's another clear plastic panel. And uh, on, on the surface of that plastic panel on the front, there's this... Uh, uh, vinyl vinyl covering that has a bunch of uh, holes cut out of it to make it look like a star field and using the um, um, like you can you can program the light the, the LEDs behind that to to uh, like twinkle and morph into into new patterns and so um, that's how you get the star field effect so yeah. it's like a living star field back there that's yeah, super yeah. cool but, and that was a that was a fun uh, programming exercise too because um, I needed a way to generate that star field, and I didn't want to like go into Photoshop and draw like hundreds of little circles. Yeah, I came up with a program that would, um, you know, generate a, a, a an SVG of a of a star field pattern. What is an SVG for the listener? Oh, it's a it's a vector graphics format, and you can it's it's described through um, uh, like mathematical paths, so it's 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 easy to generate programmatically. Yeah. Um. And then, so, so you then also um, have a giant uh, pool triangle on the uh, on, on the field. Why don't you talk about that and and what that is? Uh, yeah, so I I, I wanted to, to fill up um, some space in the game on on the left and the right side. So for the left side, uh, when whenever you you shoot the right orbit, it sends the ball up to where this. Uh, um, just this empty area on the left, and then it goes into the lanes and feeds the pop poppers. So I, I was like, okay, I can fill up this space on the left and have it tie into um, whatever this right shot is going to do. So I decided that the this right orbit shot would spell letters in, in the word rack, and I could put a, a pool rack um, on the left side and, and have it... Um, and have it uh, display a bunch of different rewards that you can collect after each spelling of the word wrap. So I, I um, thought about how I could how I could make a display that would both show the progression of, of spelling rack and also all the different awards that you could collect. And so I, I first started by sizing it as big as I could. So it went all the way up to the glass and um, Thinking about how I could create a bunch of different uh, evenly sized uh, like chambers within it, so where uh, light could shine through um, like the the plastic body and have its own little dedicated uh, uh, hexagon uh, showing the showing the award. I decided there would be 15 awards. Just drew up this model of plastic body um, that. That had all of these chambers for for the different awards and for um, the the letters in rack, and there was a slot uh, 
cut out around the side of this plastic triangular body that was deep enough that you could put in a, a strip of uh, uh, RGB LEDs. On top of that whole whole body, you could slide over your this um, this clear plastic triangle um, so that the the LED strip on the side would shine into the, the plastic triangle and and create a nice like glowing outline. Um, so you can, you can do cool things with the light shows uh, there. And the panel on this whole thing is uh, made out of this uh, really cool uh, uh, plastic called uh, black acrylic LED LED acrylic. It's from it's from this company called Tap Plastics, <laughs> and um, when you're looking at it, it's it's completely black. It looks like a TV screen that's turned off. Um, and but but when you shine light through it, it 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 illuminates. It's really cool. And so I I decided to make the front panel of this thing out of this material, and and also use a vinyl decal like I did with the the Starfield back panel. Um, and so that would that would you know section off all the different awards and also have the lettering for the award that you could collect. So um the the, the awards are they randomly selected linear or can the user select them with the flippers? Yeah, so flipper selection is pretty big in, in eight ball beyond. Uh, so whenever you're moving a left or right flipper, you're choosing the next award that's going to be collected. That's awesome. And you've got the uh, what was it called the three. The the multi cube the multi cube yeah. yeah um so like 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 you said it's definitely de definitely an integral part of the game so so let's actually um take us from mechanical electrical and control systems to you know you've already started talking about some LED light programming and some programming tasks but you know the the how did you go about the game code about programming the different the the different aspects of it um it started off with just just the, the basic progression of the game. That was the first thing that I coded, collect balls one through seven and then get the eight ball. Um, after that, I um, added in the multi-ball, uh, added in that, that um, magnetic jackpot feature that we talked about, and just just did it, did it incrementally. Um, in the beginning, I, I tried to make each planet, um, each round of pool that you played, like, really distinct and have it have its own set of rules and be something new that the, the player would have to accomplish each time. So like a new rule set for the game for each planet. Um, and after after working on that for a bit, that's when I realized that I was straying too far off course. Like one of the tenets that I had for this game was that it needed to be, uh, you know, straightforward. And so I I um, uh, backed off from that approach. I realized it was too complicated, and I started thinking of ways to like make the game um, still keep that same uh, rule set for collecting the balls, but have it get more progressively difficult. And so, um, what what I did there was, as you progress deeper into the solar system, now um, maybe not all the balls are available to be collected. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just the even balls, and then you have to collect the odd balls. Um, so, so doing things like that, uh, so that um, you know there there is still some change in the gameplay, but the the the, 
same rules are there. So it's kind of easy, uh, easy to learn, hard to master. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a, a great tenet of any any fantastic <laughs> game. Um, I, I happen to be a huge Scott Denisi fan, and I love TNA, Total Nuclear Annihilation. That's got you know I can't make it past the second reactor because I suck at pinball. Um, but you know, uh, so, so I, I I I love that approach. Um, what about uh, programming the animations on the on the on the LCD? That was the the very last thing that I did. Um, it was it was yeah, the display and and the animations came last. Yeah, so so uh, this last Christmas break, um, I had nothing to do. So that's that's when I started working on the display. <laughs> and my idea there was that I wanted it to look as professional as I could. But I, I really didn't want to um, have it be, actually be all that complicated. So uh, what I started with was coming up with the organization, have it be like a HUD. Um, so that What's a HUD for? Like a heads-up display. So something that would you know, communicate like the state of all the different um, features in the game. Um, so... Not only would that be great from a player perspective, so you can see like where you're at at a glance, um, it also just lets me have a display that's full of stuff, and it, it looks like lots of things are happening. Um, so uh, I, in, in this program called Inkscape, which is an SVG editor, I, I laid all of that out um, and, and broke it out into um, like different sized you know uh, images that I would need. That, that took a little bit of time, but Eventually, I had the the um, that HUD worked out and in the game, but I, I didn't want to just have it have that be it. So I wanted some some fun animations that would um, like line up with all the different features in the game. So I, I just went through all the features that I thought were most important to me um, and 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 started creating an animation for those uh, using using Blender. So that's it's a tool I mentioned earlier, but it's it's used for uh, for 3D motion graphics, and there's a lot of a lot of tutorials online about how to accomplish different things. Um, and so the the general strategy there was to um, come up with an idea for an animation that would be about you know two to four seconds. Um, see if there was any any YouTube tutorial about how to accomplish something similar to what I wanted. Um, so like for the uh, for the moon shatter uh, uh, feature that I mentioned, uh, I was like, it'd be cool if like I could get like a moon exploding on on the display. So I looked up um, you know planets blowing up <laughs> on Plunder on YouTube and and there's a lot of results there, you know and so uh, I, I just broke it up into chunks. It was like, okay, I'm gonna make a make a moon somehow that explodes and follow this tutorial. But now I need to figure out how to like um, make it even cooler by having like a, a cue stick, a right. giant cue stick that's flying through space and hitting this moon, and then having it explode. And so I maybe try and find uh, another tutorial about how to uh, like animate something that's just moving across the screen. So, so learning through YouTube actually has been a consistent theme in a lot of what you've talked about. And so that sounds like a, another skill that you brought into this and, and perfected is like just spending the time to learn the tools through, through what YouTube has available. Yeah. Totally. Um, so the, you know, how did you pick the fonts as an example? Um, did you just like scroll through a, a large amount of fonts until you found the one you wanted? 
or did somebody you know did you did you know that was the font you wanted to use yeah yeah there, there's there was not much uh um thought put behind that um there's two fonts in the game i think there's the terminator 2 font <laughs> that's a, that's an awesome font so it's like yeah i'll use that it looks good um and and some other font that i found on a site called dafont.com <laughs> So, so you know, you you've talked a couple times, and it's something that I I noticed the very first time I met you, the very first time I played the game, and as I went through the resources you've passed and and throughout this interview, you talk about trying to make things look professional, mm-hmm. and I will tell you that the playfield is a whiteboard as it sits right now, and the machine looks professional. The um the attention to detail, like the story you tell of going through the through the through the balls and the through the resin model, like. You you picked the right um, you know for for yourself to the quality bar you wanted um, the 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 right technique to get the outcome of the each individual thing you you put together and that collection of details as Tanner Petch would say is what makes the machine look so polished um, your your light shows have have a certain have a level of polish the 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 combination of simplicity of certain things. But then also the level of depth of complexity of how those like the the, the back glass or not not the back glass the the LCD and what the, you know the process you just talked to it's two fonts but the fonts were very manicured to exactly what you were looking for they were ones that that met the theme um it's it's a it's a very well refined machine and it's it's clear that you take a pride in craftsmanship that not many people do um. So to that, you do have a piece of art. I mean, it's a, it, the whole machine is a piece of art by itself. But you did commission the 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 back glass, the plastics, and the playfield. Why don't you tell the listener about that? I I knew from the get go that I would never be able to do any art for this game myself. Far enough into the, along into the project where I realized that hey, this is probably going to get finished. So um, I need to start looking for for an artist. Like so. I had, uh, that was around the time that I had signed up for Instagram and I had started posting things there. And I just started following a bunch of pinball people, a bunch of artists, and eventually I got recommended, you know, to follow, uh, uh, Johnny Crab. And that name stood out to me when I saw it because I was like, where do I recognize that name from? And I remembered that it was, um, the night at Flip Flip Ding Ding, which is a bar that was, was, near where we are um the night that they got uh jurassic park premium while my buddy was playing it i was looking at the back glass really closely and i saw his signature in the bottom left and it, it said johnny crap and i was like man that's that's a name that sticks with me. Right. <laughs> so uh that's awesome and so i uh i saw him on instagram and i started following him and i went to his website and looked through his portfolio and like, like this is great and um like so, and some of the stuff there like was this really rich style like that reminded me of, like valley's like uh like valley style back glasses from the 70s and 80s and so i i i also saw on his website that he's open to commissions so i was like i'm gonna hit this guy up and see what he says and so i i spent a bit like crafting an email trying to show that i was you know, serious about it and that i wanted to work with him and yeah, to to my surprise, he agreed, and I it was it was it was awesome news, um, and and it was a great experience getting to work with him. And one of the you know the the the, the back glass itself, 
it's got this, you know, it's 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 got the the, the these these like space aliens and space people and a robot mm-hmm. all playing pool. But it's got this like way of drawing you in. Like I want to be there. I want to play. Like I want to go wherever they're playing. That place looks fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's an awesome scene. There's a lot of emotions there. There's there's like um, a very serious player lining up a shot. There's there's someone scared that they're about to lose. There's some tentacles grabbing a pool stick. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very it's a, it's an awesome scene. Now the the, the machine looks great with uh, you know as a white wood. Um, do you have the the play field already like done or has it been drawn out? What's what's your do you, do you mind telling the listener and me what your plan about revealing the play field is going to be? Yeah, as as soon as I get it, um, I'll, I'll I'll start showing it off. So um, the play field art has been done for for a few months now. It's, it also looks just as awesome as a fat class, um, and um, I, I was I was intimidated by the 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 process of finding someone to direct print the playfield. It's not it's not a machine that I can easily like get close to and play around with myself, um, and so I I was lucky enough to uh, um. Uh, talked to Ernie, um, Ernie Silverberg, and he recommended me uh, this uh, Greg Walker uh, mm-hmm. from Fantastic Pinball. And he said, Ernie said that he, this guy uh, direct printed my playfield and it, it looks great. And it did. Um, so I, I hit up Greg and um, he's working on it right now. And so I'm going to have the playfield by the end of August, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Greg has a direct printer and he's, he's a pinball person. So he, he knows the, the challenges involved with, with that whole process and how to do it right. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to get that. Now you're, you're coming to Expo in, in October, right? Yes. Okay. And are you, you planning on bringing the machine? Yes. Awesome. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to with see the new play field, hopefully too. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that we, we, we've talked about the machine. We've talked about you. We've talked about how you got into pinball. So. You know that, like I said, the machine is a is a beautiful work of art. There's clear pride in craftsmanship. Um, you you clearly take pride in in the details of of what you do. So, what do you want to be next for yourself? Um, I so what what's what's happened already is is mission accomplished for me. Um, I wanted to make a game, you know, that was fun for me and and fun for pinball enthusiasts and. You know, I've had it at shows. I've had it on location, and the the response has been great. Um, people are excited about it, and so that's that's enough for me. Um, but but when I started, I, I did have like a side goal in mind, like of you know, what if this did get manufactured, or what if I did get a job in the industry as a designer or a or a software developer, and so I, I've. Um, I've always like dreamt about that, but I also uh, keep my expectations low. I understand. I know. I well. I think I understand the realities of both of those things happening. So, um, I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'll just see what happens. Well, you have you have one of the best things that could make for a resume sitting you know three feet away from from where we're where where we're recording. Mm-hmm. Um. So in uh you know looking back a couple years from where you are now to where you were when you started. Um, you know, if somebody else was about to go on this journey, what advice would you give them? Um, or what advice would you give yourself, you know, a few years back? 
there's a there's a there's a lot of things. I don't I don't know if I'll remember them all right now, but you know, I, I would say you know, fail fast. You know, I I would I would not try to get too hung up on doing everything conceptually um, and 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 not actually moving forward in in the actual building of it. And because I, I think you need progression on on both of those fronts at the same time to to really uh, get the experience needed to to build something that that you like. Um, let's see. Uh, just in, enjoy the process. I I feel like me especially. Um, I when I started, I saw people getting started and and making this really great progress in a short amount of time. And I'm I'm comparing like how slow I'm moving to them. And it, it makes me feel bad, and I think I think that's that's a really unhelpful mindset for for um for for making a machine. You know, there's there's so many avenues to to pursue and to to learn and enjoy. Um, so 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 take your time. Uh, I would say. Would you suggest going the the virtual pinball or visual pinball and um and CAD route? Or you know, if 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 people are are inclined that way, like did, did that work for you? Yeah, it worked really well, and it's it's. Um, I don't know how I would have done it without it. Like I I I, I don't think I would have been able to organize all of that all of that in my head, um, and and be able to execute on it without having that CAD model because there's just so much. Uh, that goes into a machine. Um. You you've mentioned a couple people as we've been talking um, uh, that that have helped you along the way or given you advice. Um, is there anybody else that you may not have have mentioned during the the interview that you want to say thank you to? So many people, <laughs> but yeah. Um, um, so Travis Mesh, uh, it's he 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 was a huge help to me, especially in the beginning because. Um, he he's a great player. I've known him for a while, and he's um, he he's an operator of games and has worked on a lot of games. And so, me as someone that had never owned a machine, um, I I I didn't know a lot of things, and I had a lot of questions that I couldn't Google. Like, do parts on the playfield? extend all the way out to the edge of the wood or do manufacturers like leave like a bit of padding around the plate like those are things that i could ask him and he would have the answer to it's like hey travis is there an upper flipper on a game where the flipper shaft goes all the way down to the to the lower play field and mounts to the mech there and he's like oh yeah that's no fear black knight uh sort of rage so he's just like a complete uh pinball technical encyclopedia um <laughs> so yeah huge thanks to travis mage man he, he knows everything um and uh yeah yeah uh jan uh that person i mentioned earlier jan also was one of the uh lead developers and longtime maintainers of the mission pinball right. framework and he just through the sheer amount of work that he did and through helping me directly with some some particular mpf issues like 
I have a lot of things to give to him. His videos are extremely thorough. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, hope to meet him one day. But, uh, yeah, him and, him and Brian Madden, um, who also did a lot of work on MPF, and Quinn Capen, who did all the uh, audio, uh, he, he coded the entire audio system for MPF. Uh, I had some features that I wanted to develop from, like, audio-based features that would require updating that system he created. And he, he spent a lot of time uh, helping me figure out how to, how to actually, like, work on it. Um, Awesome. Well, listen, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm super happy for you. Um, the machine is beautiful. It's, it's great to get some insight and sit down with you and, and, and actually hear your story. And although you can read pieces of that on inside, hearing you tell it and going into the level of depth under the play field, I think is what is what makes this the special. So thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening. And I can't wait to see what you make.